I was like, okay, let's look into the data on this. Yeah. Generally, it seems that the more you teach young kids about sex, the less they have sex and the later they have sex the first time. Do you um, think that's because adults are tainting it with uncoolness? Oh, well, that could be part of it. Yeah. But does does teaching kids about sex include teaching kids about abstinence now or like teaching kids to not have sex? Okay. So you can do abstinence only education, which mm. actually has a similar effect to general sex education. Um, Interesting. See, I had thought as a kid growing up and like younger that like abstinence only education didn't work. That's what I always heard. Abstinence well, course, only education. That's what they work. wanted to tell you. Yeah. Like that fit the narrative. Yeah. Abstinence only education actually does work, but it doesn't seem to work as long as general sex education. The more a community is told to restrict access to these sorts of things, the more they're going to engage with these sorts of things under the radar. Yeah. It really seems like the best panacea against over-sexual abundance. So we will teach our kids, basically the answer here is we will teach our kids pretty uh, aggressively and early about human sexuality. Yeah. But because we want them to engage in the topic with moderation. And we think that that is the best way to achieve that outcome. Would you like to know more? We are getting to do a special recording today because we had the disappointment of setting up all our recording equipment for a Great Britain, what about a GB News interview? Um, GB News, yeah. And this is the second time they've done this to us. Uh, but, you know, we always gotta be ready for those news conversations. And so we're like, well, we blocked out time anyway. We might so as well take the time to chat with each other. Which is more have, fun. Let's oh, be yes. honest. A we lot had more one fun. of those, those recording sessions ruthlessly stolen from us by a, uh, a friend um, where we had to talk with a friend. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. The burden of friendship. Really? Will it ever leave us, Simone? Oh, God. I don't know. I don't one know. day I hope to be famous enough that I do not care about alienating myself from friends. <laughs> the whole world can be just you, me, and the kids. Won't that be wonderful? Yeah, except then, like, the friends that you do hang out with probably just hang out with you because you're famous, which sounds annoying. No, no, I don't want any friends. Once I'm once I'm at that level. Just, just would just be completely isolated. Okay, that's dreamy. Just I'm ready you, for that. me, the kids living in our, our antique farmhouse in the woods. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Uh, or potentially we're going to have to go set up our charter city by then, some remote place in the far north, a little settlement, right? God, I don't want to leave this place. I really like it. <laughs> I know, I know. So today's topic is an interesting one. Yeah. And it has to do with when we think it is appropriate and how we will engage with our kids and the subject of sexuality. Indeed. And yeah. what's really funny is I think a lot of people might see us or they see, you know, they know that broadly, you know, we consider ourselves as very like culturally similar to Ayla and, and we're friends with her. You know, we have her on the show sometimes and then we'd be like, what? So you want to raise your kids to grow up like Ayla, right? Like, is that your goal? Um, well, not grow up like Ayla because she grew up in an extremely hardline conservative religious household. Yeah. Our, our, well, I mean, we are an extremely hardline conservative religious household. We just have a different view of sexuality. Yeah, we're not a sex negative, extremely hardline conservative religious household. Yeah, that's what you meant. So, so our response would be, you know, which of us, Ayla or us, do you think grew up not learning about sexuality? Hmm. I was exposed to sexual, like, like information at an extremely young age. And and I would say it was extremely negative. I, I remember, because I remember, okay, so the house I was living at the time, I couldn't have been older than seven. 
when mm. my mom, I remember this conversation with my mom. Oh dear. Okay, so you're totally prepubescent at this point. And she goes, well, Malcolm, you're going to need to be very, very careful because many young girls are going to try to get you to get them pregnant so that they can force you to marry them and Ooh. take your money. Um, <laughs> I mean, actually, money. that's um, for, if, if you have a family that is likely to be targeted for that. Uh, no, I, I think understand. even I understand she had a perception that we were. That kind of, and I guess my family more largely was that way at that age. They, that was sort of at, a, at really times your family did have a lot of wealth, and I think was known for that. Yeah, I, I yeah. Also, like it could be a similar liability if, like, you know that your kid is like going to be the high school star, and then like women would, you know, you need to warn your sons that like women will pursue them just for social status. It's not as like yeah, the pregnancy risk is not as dangerous. But... Told me like at, at a pretty young age that I needed to know how to be good at sex. I needed to know how to like that. This was something that I should take the time to research wow. and familiarize myself with. Like she wasn't like creepy. Like I'm gonna you know teach you about all this stuff, which I appreciate. Uh -huh. But she was just like, this is something you can study and okay. you should take the time to study because it will matter both in terms of your social you know, popularity okay. and your ability to secure a high quality wife. And, and, and as other people who have read other of our works know, one of the things that my mom always, always enforced me as a young kid is that the single most important decision or accomplishment I would ever make is who I married. So for her to be like, this is really important in terms of who marries you, for her to be like, this is important in terms of who you marry, like she's being like, this is a really critical life tool. And you also grew up with a lot of exposure to sexuality stuff at a young age, right? Yeah, I mean, well, my parents just left like porn illustrations and like This books. is one of the most embarrassing moments of my life at your house. So do you remember this? So I'm talking with her dad. In the living room. This is like in like a main like entertainment room. In the living room. room and I yeah. see on the bookshelf a like cool looking like anime thing. Like I Yeah, so you're like, oh, it's manga. Book. Cool. And I pull it out and it is a hentai book. And it, in her pretty, family's living room, pretty like, explicit. while I'm talking to her dad, yeah. I pull this out and I just like put it back and pretend nothing happened because I am mortified. mortified. Yeah. I think your family is is the one extreme I wouldn't go to. I mean, they pushed you into the type of woman who, who you know, by the time we were married, I was only the second guy she had ever kissed, you know, much less you definitely had never had sex with anyone before me or anything like that. You yeah, know, which is were... weird because, like, I mean, as you can imagine, like, if a child is knocking about a house where a lot of the illustrated books are literally extremely explicit material, like, you are exposed to that sometimes without... And no, always with that annotation, like, you know, early, because you're going to pull the thing with the pictures off the bookshelf, not the stuff with the words. So... That was great, interesting, and move on there. Did part. your parents tell you about sexuality at a young age? Like, so what's you... really interesting is the only sex talk I remember with my with any parent was with my mom. I remember where I was in the house, and she was basically like, Simone, so when it comes to sex, like you have a it's like a precious jewel, and you have a certain number of jewels, and they're very precious. And you just need to be really thoughtful about who you give them away to. And, you know, I was really generous with my jewels. <laughs> I was younger. 
She said that. Yeah, and I she was very generous. With she her. wouldn't. She said she wouldn't. She she essentially told me she wouldn't have been so generous. Like she she basically said, I I wish I hadn't slept around as much when I was younger, which was interesting. But what a my, valuable my, lesson, you know, to be in this hippie culture growing up. You know, your mom like. Her whole shaman thing, you know, she's really into all that. For her to tell you that, you must have been like, wow, she's really serious about this advice. I was indifferent to it because, like, with you as this really bizarre exception, I'm asexual. Like, I'm not attracted to anyone except for you. Like, and I've been having these sex dreams about you. It's so freaking weird. And it's like, <laughs> anyway, so, like, I have problems but, with but you. But this is only because of the pregnancy, right? Like, the... Who knows? I mean, I've always been hot for you, but like now it's just worse. So yeah, probably pregnancy hormones, but who knows? You've also just been extra hot recently and amazing and perfect and the best husband oh, ever. This is sweet. I, I, I have sweet. a yandere wife here. Who is always <laughs> no, like genuinely, like, yeah, I hate everyone else only have eyes for you. But like, so that means though, like my mom having that talk with me meant nothing because like I wouldn't have I don't know. been interested. You could have achieved status. I mean, I believe that the reason why I was so sexually active at a young age, which is less yeah. important for a guy, is because, yeah. in terms of like my my status on the marketplace, is because I believed that it was important to my social standing. Yeah, you were, you were trying to validate. Yeah, but for women, that's not the case. I mean, and I do remember like there were some actually women in my high school who I really respect. Not all women. Not, some women believe that they can gain social credit for this. Some, some do. And there were some women in my high school who I thought were really beautiful and way smarter and cooler than me who did become sexually active in high school. And then I would hear people say things like describe them as cum dumpsters and, you know, think that that was kind of weird. But like I, 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 I had zero one. I didn't think anyone would ever be attracted to me. So Obviously, like, I wouldn't think about sex as something that I would, like... You're so inherently use. humble, Simone. It radiates from you. I Yeah, you've also seen me in high school. Like, I wasn't... I I was not even close to the top 50%. Okay? Uh, you were um, less attractive than you are today when you were younger. Mm, I'll agree with that. But I, mm. I think that you were still very attractive. I, I was, I like, a, in high school, I was, like, a three and a half and maybe oh, now you I'm were like nerd bait in high school five six you were nerd three. bait but continue that's sweet in in college or sorry post-college in college and post-college i was nerd bait in high school it was a real story so one like i never would have thought to use that as, as a social currency because i didn't think it was the social currency i had second until i met you i thought i was completely asexual so like I had no interest so like my mom saying that to me meant nothing basically like no amount of sex education or lack thereof or abstinence education would have changed my stance and policy around sexuality. And I think this is a really important point. I think that with many kids, they're going to do what they're going to do. If they're the kind of person who's going to just hormonally, biologically have a high sex drive or grow up in a culture that makes them feel like they are sexually attractive and for validation, they need to have sex. They're going to have sex. It doesn't matter. So like the only thing you can do at that point is try to encourage safe sex and strategically productive sex. So I don't think that the evidence agrees with you on this. Really? Okay. So go this on. is something that I had recently looked into before this, because I wanted to double check. I was like, okay, let's look into the data on this. Yeah. Generally, it seems that the more you teach young kids about sex, the less they have sex and the later they have sex the first time. Do you um, think that's because adults are tainting it with uncoolness? 
Oh, well, that could be part of it. Yeah, I, I think that's a big part of it. And and there's a whole psychological issue here that we'll get to. Mm. But I think that you see your own experience as being more anecdotal than it really is. Huh. And the, the, the reality is that the data is pretty robust on this. Like I went through a number of studies on this. It seems it's not like a sometimes the data goes one way, sometimes the data goes the other way, which you sometimes see. The data is profoundly, the more you teach kids about sex, the later they have sex and the less sex they have early in their lives. Okay, but does does teaching kids about sex include teaching kids about abstinence now or like teaching kids to not have sex? Okay, so you can do abstinence-only education, which mm. actually has a similar effect to general sex education. Um, Interesting. See, I had thought as a kid growing up and like younger that like, abstinence-only education didn't work. That's what I always heard. Abstinence-only well, education that's doesn't what they work. they wanted to tell you. Yeah. Like, that fit the narrative. Yeah. Abstinence-only education actually does work, but it doesn't seem to work as long as general sex education. Yeah, well, because, I mean, it, in, eventually for the average person, something's got to give, right? I mean... Yeah, yeah. So, so it is protective. It is not as protective. It's like so, so and silking, look- even though they really care about abstinence. <laughs> Well, yeah, it was a, well, it's more the studies that have looked at this long term, like six months to a year out, uh-huh. show that you get a persistent effect from regular sex education and mm-hmm. a and a non persistent effect from abstinence only education. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think sense. that a lot of this comes from the way that you acculturize kids to think about sexuality. As a kid, for example, you get somebody like me. I smoked, right? Like like cigarettes, right? clove cigarettes of course because i needed to sleep so with so pretentious i and the hot goth girls were into clothes cigarettes, they really right? were though yeah so you go and you'd sneak out behind the rock in town and hope nobody saw you as soon as that was the rock what year, town were it? as soon as i went to college there was a rock by the lake and so we go into the woods and then and in then new hampshire and hook yeah. up and you you know so, but as soon as it was legal for me to do that i immediately stopped doing it i never oh, did it again so in my life oh funny no and i'm lucky i didn't become addicted to it because i could have right i, I i'm lucky that my do you think was- cigarettes don't have nicotine in them could that be hmm no, they have nicotine in them. My family just historically is not particularly not susceptible to nicotine addictions or really any addiction other than alcohol. <laughs> so, and your family is pretty much like complete bears when it comes to all addictions. It's done everything. Um, so, so I, I, I think there was a genetic thing protecting me, and I didn't do it that often. I literally only did it when I wanted to go hook up with someone. Yeah. So it was, it was rare, but it was something I engaged in because it was disallowed and this is another thing you see in the data but so that's why i would expect abstinence only education to backfire because you're making something forbidden well it does seem to backfire in the long run Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. Uh, but i think the more you engage with sexuality like the grosser it seems okay so yes that is one aspect of it but I think there's more to it than that. Okay. I think that if you look at the data, another thing you'll see is, so even in adults, if you look at regions by, there was this great study, I think it looked at like how conservatively Mormon regions were. Okay. This is a culture that doesn't particularly like masturbation. And it was looking at by zip code. Mm-hmm. And it showed that the amount of online porn consumption was 
correlated with how conservative the area was. Isn't that marvelous? And I seem to remember a historic thing about like papal addresses and then sales of Girls Gone Wild that that was selling oh, in those ad no. slots or something. Oh. But generally, this is something you see over and over again. The more a community is told to restrict access to these sorts of things, the more they're going to engage with these sorts of things under the radar. Yeah. It really seems like the best panacea against over-sexual abundance. So we will teach our kids, basically the answer here is we will teach our kids pretty uh, aggressively and early about human sexuality. Yeah. But because we want them to engage in the topic with moderation, and we think that that is the best way to achieve that outcome. Yeah. Well, and also then that when they do it, they do it safely. But so then, okay. So like, let's go a little further with this. Like, I well, think not, the thing not safely, I, I don't think that they should go out there and have a ton of sex. I do. Yeah. Not but think... I do think that when they do, they should do it safely. So that's part of what sex ed is all about. You know, a lot of what these studies are looking at is when people do eventually yeah, have but sex, the, are the they using I'm making is that sex ed has a secondary effect. Hmm. depending on how it's done. So right. And so what I'm saying is if we out, like outside, go don't this. care about it. Don't care about it. I'm talking safe sex outside. Obviously you're going to have more. I know, I know what I'm talking about also is the chilling effect of adults teaching you this thing. So for example, if you and I teach our children like, Oh, by the way, like if, and when you want to try anal, these are like the processes you should go through. Like, here's how to like clean Make out. Sure you like, use lube. Yeah, yeah like you got to use lube, like start small. You might want to start pegging a little bit before you go full out. Like, you know, before you, this is how you douche properly. Here are the various, and like, they're just getting increasingly like, just disgust, like disgusted ash. And your faith. parents tell you this stuff. Oh yeah, no, if we so teach our children, like how to do, and you know, like, you know, here, like here are the various techniques, like, you know, when you go down on someone, you know, that, that make sure you don't, you know, don't use your teeth, you know, make sure blah, blah, blah. And like, you know, and you for deep throating, this is some methodology and positioning that may indeed, <laughs> they're going to die. And, and I mean, well, but I here's the thing thinking is about this, my mom telling me about this, whenever yeah. they're one, whenever they hear one of their friends brag about it. Right. Yeah. So they're not oh, going to see it as they're high thinking status. about their parents. And two, you know, the oh. first time they engage with it, the way you sabotage your kids having sex is bury those memories in their head. Yes. Not just don't engage with it. And I also think keep in mind, so if a kid's going out there and they're educating themselves about their sexuality, right? Yeah. yeah. They're going on online websites. They're like, okay, what is sex about? What is, those are going to be really sex positive. I think in a particularly toxic way. In an uncritical way. Like if you go online and you look at the places where this is talked about within online communities, they're often very uncritically sex positive. Mm. Or I think if you look at something like our book on the subject, The Pragmatist Guide to Sexuality, like if I was in us and I was like, how do I teach my kids realistically about sex? Honestly, the audiobook for The Pragmatist Guide to Sexuality is probably a pretty good place to start because it really makes it not sound cool it makes it overly analytical it goes really deep it unmystifies yeah. a lot of it with a lot of this stuff unmystifying it is how you build protection against it yeah one of our best reviews for the pragmatist guide to sexuality was something along the lines of i came to this book to better understand how man loves one another you know how we intimately 
you know, come together. And instead I came away disgusted by humanity and we're like, exactly, exactly. That was our goal. That was, yeah, mission accomplished. You may have given us a two-star review, but we're keeping it because you know exactly. Fire hydrant of of sexual, like, eat eat what humans are actually doing online. It is the collective delete my search history of humanity. being being poured down our kid's throat like some sort of torture device you know we're not gonna we're not gonna say any of this in a sex negative context although we're also not like we're not ourselves obviously is super infatuated by sex you know we're not thing i don't understand at all the idea of calling it making love makes me you know yeah i mean well also i had a high sex drive at a younger age because I grew up, again, this is something we talk about. You can tell from people's facial features. My facial features are of somebody who was overexposed to testosterone growing up. The reason I had so much sex growing up, like I mentioned this on other things, I'd slept with 100 different people before I started college. The reason I had done that is because I had this overdriven sex drive. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are like, oh, well, you should as an adult now, now that you're free, because testosterone goes down when you have kids. It goes down when you're in a long-term monogamous relationship. They're like, you should want that back. I'm like, why would I want that back? Mm-hmm. That was not just hell in that it was something that I constantly thought about all the time. It was Simone, right? Like we get receipts and she's like, oh, no, that could block your test. I'm like, grab the receipt. I'm like, Simone, I don't want you touching it because you're pregnant with our kids. I don't care anymore. I won the game, right? Why? Well, they're like, well, don't you don't you want to be virile? I, I suspect that these people who like go out there hunting for virility have never really experienced like full on male sexuality. So well, and also uh, just like le- how not only logistically cumbersome it is to have a lot of sex, but also like how legally, emotionally, and socially liable it makes you, right? Well, and and morally. So, you know, I look at the yeah. first person I had sex with. You know, the first time I had sex with someone, I had gone to this camp that was for nerds. It was, it was oh, you would only get invitations if you had gotten over a certain score on the SATs. And before this... Or I think it was like an IQ test or something. Anyway, before this, I had never really, and it was hosted at Cambridge or Oxford or something like that. Cambridge, Cambridge. I had never really done well with women before this moment, but I had just gotten into the period of starting to like try to logistically using online environments, try to understand with, you know, if then statement, like I would use, not if then statements, but I would use chains of text when talking to girls online. Oh, yeah. I learned which chains worked and which chains didn't. So I'd just begun to like really formalize this process. I get into this environment where I am valued for being nerdy. You know, the first party there, I'm hooking up with two girls at the same time behind the party. I end up choosing one of them. And it was literally like basically NTR porn, Netanari or whatever. This girl had been in a long-term relationship. She was a very conservative Christian girl. She was saving herself for marriage. And she was just like, I will do any, like, I'm really, really into you. Like, I know I've been with this guy forever, but let's just do you. This is, this is what I want to do. Like, this is the path I want to take. And at the time, like that was really hot to me. It's so funny. We had this one person on the, the, in the comments once being like, Oh, Malcolm, you seem like you're, you're in the cuckoldry or whatever. Like, do you want other people to sleep with your wife? And I was like, you've really read me wrong. Like I used to, and that was something I did a lot. I slept with somebody else's prom date on prom. 
you know, one of my friends. I did the things where as an older person, now looking back on it, it was really immoral and I feel very, very bad about it. That's good. Like, yeah, that, think, it's you, a dick move. <laughs> no, I was a dick. I was a oh. dick. I was driven by my hormones at that age. Yeah. And I didn't have any sort of a moderating moral instruction telling me to do otherwise. I mean, if you look at, you know, who was my moral instructor up to that point, which was my mom, right? Yeah. Her position was... It, if you can fuck people over and flex on them and show that you're better than them, then do it. Yeah, then that's uh, very much a Trumpian sort of mindset. Totally. Um, well, are we going to teach our kids, our sons especially, some form of bro code? I mean, yes, yeah, no. Well, I mean, I'd say that I, I, I will tell them about my background and that I made mistakes. That was bad at the time. Mm. I thought, and you can even see Trump do this. When I say Trumpian, you know, he brags about sleeping with his friends' wives like as an adult, right? Like yeah. long after he should have no, known. That, not, that was the immoral yeah. thing to do and like yeah. trying to pressure his friend's wives into sleeping with him. The lack of progression there. And and for me, I view this period of when I was super sexually active as a period in which I broke a number of moral codes, which I should have known not to break. You know, mm. sleeping with people that were hot, but I didn't respect. Sleeping with people that were... Now, I never... Like, like my, the one thing I was stuck with is I would never hurt their feelings. Right. Right. Like, uh, which if, is meaningful. If somebody gave their virginity to me, which happened a lot. Like about a third of the people I slept with were virgins. That was like the group that I did best with. I uh, would always try to date them from a specific period of time afterwards. If they wanted that, I would try to, sometimes they didn't. Sometimes they were just like, I want practice before I sleep with my boyfriend. Yeah. Which again, like just me being the fucking antagonist in NTR porn. But that's also kind of sweet if they, you know, just didn't want to disappoint someone that they... I understand, but I shouldn't have done it. Yeah, um, yeah. And so I think people who have never been cursed with this ultra-high male sexuality, they do not understand. It's like somebody one day injected me with, like, meth, got me addicted to it, and I didn't ask for this at all. Yeah. And now all of a sudden, I'm breaking into people's houses and fucking stealing shit so I can get meth. Right. Uh, like it was wrong and it was evil. And I am trying to, as an adult, learn to like, like, like not atone for it, but I don't want to go back there. Like, I don't want to be like, oh, yes, introduce that challenge to me again. Yeah. Although one way to atone for it, of course, is to raise kids to do better. So that that is a hope that we have for yeah. our kids. Then I think another thing that I, I, I think about a lot is when it comes to corn aka online ironic material consumption i do think that it creates a certain lack of understanding of like how these dynamics work and i'm i'm not even talking about like what people are willing to do i'm talking about what people expect from partners as a default and i think one of the biggest things that i see in terms of people like problems that people have with sex throughout their lifetimes mm -hmm. that we see people post about online a lot is that partners don't feel sufficiently desired and it really it has nothing to do with like i don't care if like they're doing wacky stuff in bed or if they have like zero sex lives a lot of it comes down to like how desired a partner feels and if there's one through line through every single like fetish you'll see in erotic material like the thing that people almost universally, and of course there are some fetish based like differences here, but like it's almost always based around the person being very into 
banging you like the concept there like yeah. enthusiastic interest and i think a big problem that that both men and women have especially after being exposed to any form of erotic material and this is you know romance novels for young women or like you know manga or like you know typical standard very visual erotic material for men is they just kind of assume that without putting any effort you're going to end up with a partner who's showing like insane levels of enthusiasm for you. And like that, unfortunately that's actually either something that like, unless you're like some kind of Adonis or you're like really rich or famous, which is kind of hard to do, especially when you're just a kid, you have to put a lot of work into getting that kind of interest. And I, I don't know how I'm going to approach this with our kids yet, but it is something I want to talk about with you because I, I want kids to understand that like, no, a woman or man is not going to be like insane, like, you know, I, like cannot control themselves around you. I no, I've had that with some girls. <laughs> well, but you're you. I, I mean, I, no, I understand. But but some people I assume I, I mean, I don't want to say it's an act, but like they know to lean into it. Like, I, I, I think that the better thing to focus on with kids is I think a big problem in our society, basically sex non-reproductive sex from the perspective of our culture and the way we're uh -huh. teaching our kids uh -huh. is no different from pornography yeah agree no different from pornography it is no additional social standing well it i would say it's it's probably a little worse because you're more likely to put yourself at physical logistical legal moral risk no it's just pornography with extra steps yeah um, and risks. It, it, it's pornography with extra steps and risks so insofar as it feels better to you than pornography then engage in it but if it doesn't feel better to you than that then don't engage in it yeah and or don't waste a ton of time seeking it out and i think the one of the core problems in the way our society frames this is it puts you know corn in one category actual sex in one category and then like reproductive sex in another category mm -hmm. and then there's conservative religious groups which sometimes are like corn and actual sex should go in the same group mm. but that whole group is off limits Whereas we say, no, because they're in the same category, just engage with porn. Don't engage with actual sex unless it is moving you towards reproductive sex. And, and even in that case, reproductive sex is largely immoral from our perspective if you can engage in polygenic screening. And so, you know, don't, don't overindulge in that either, you know. So uh, what this means is I think when you frame things that way, when you're like, look, what you are doing when you are having sex with someone else for pleasure is you're basically using another human being like a flashlight. Like, yeah. why? Like, you, you, you functionally are getting nothing additional out of it other than any hormones that force some sort of a bonding to you. And insofar as it's creating hormones that force a bonding to you, then you're using it as a tool to brainwash the other individual, which, okay, yes, learn to use that tool well, but recognize well, what you're doing and that that is the purpose of sex in those circumstances. There's an argument not that your personal yeah. gratification. A lady or gentleman with a weaker imagination may just have difficulty getting the same enjoyment from not exactly the real thing. Well, I mean, I, I, I think that, that that framing for our kids will work yeah. um, in terms of leading them to understand that sex is a tool that can move them towards their goals. Yeah. But it is a tool that it, it goals the big one that sex helps with is getting someone to marry you, but the, and then have kids. Wait, with you. wait. So you think you're more likely to marry someone if you've already had sex as a guy? Yeah. As a guy. Yeah. 
I guess because what you, like, you, can you can be sure that you're not sexually incompatible because that's kind of scary. No, like I had a, I mean, the way that I, you know, you, you can get women basically indebted to you, like get them to have a, a, not supernatural is the wrong word, but I mean, it's, it's oh, oh, so you're, you're talking about them. like oxytocin and like yeah. hormonal bonding. Okay. Utilize that to achieve bonds with people that then you can then utilize to or exploit whatever you want to say to better achieve your long-term goals. Okay. Insofar as you don't hurt them and, and keep in mind, you know, if there's somebody who's out there going to be having sex anyway, like people would be like, how did you ruin all these women? You know, after, after the first few, I was like, okay, no, I'm only going to go for the type of girl who I know would otherwise go out there and have sex with people. So yeah, that's how we're going to engage with sexuality with our kids. So I think the question is, what outcome are you aiming for? Are you aiming for Ayla? Which, who I think, you know, we love Ayla, really smart person. I, I, I think that the strategy that she has chosen, she's really pioneered it. And I think it's shown that even if you are the best at the world at what she does, it's still hard to achieve, find a husband if you take that path. Hmm. And so I wouldn't recommend it for our kids. So do you want to take that path or do you want to take our path? Our path is extreme and total sexual education, allowing your kids to be exposed to sexual information at a young age, normalize it and treat it as something that you as a parent are engaging them on. Or do you extremely restrict sexual content, tell them to restrict masturbation and don't engage them with pornography? Is that the path you want to take? Right. So that we're, we're essentially saying traumatic expo exposure versus sheltering. Well, not traumatic exposure, normalization. <laughs> I think if my parents, no, I guess if my parents told me like the logistics of anal, for example, I wouldn't be traumatized, but you'd never have anal. I, I, never I'm not anyway. into anal anyway. Like, I guess I should like give a better description of like something I'd be into, like shibari. No, yeah, then I would be much less likely to do it. Yeah, it's true. Did, even if it's something I'm kind of inclined. To. Sorry, that's that's the not tying thing. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm in, I'm a, I'm a swaddler. So. <laughs> um. Yeah, she 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 likes being restrained is what she's saying. It's very well, I mean, it makes sense. I think like I would imagine that the proportion of autistic people who like if they were asked to choose sexual fetishes that like were the sexual equivalent of a weighted blanket, they would probably <laughs> You mean... are such a goof, Simone, <laughs> and I absolutely love you. But no, yeah, you're right. If my parents had been like, learn about this, I would be like, mm, maybe I will never do that. Okay, uh, let's do this to our children. We're so terrible. It's going to be good. <laughs> this is the forward on the Pragmatist Guide to Sexuality says that we have ruined sex for our children for life. Well, that's why we dedicate the, the book, book to them, because at least they have that. Mm. Yeah. All right. Love you, Sabam. <laughs> Love you, too. <laughs>